In the year 60, the Roman town of Londinium, modern-day London, was attacked and sacked by a group of native Celts. They lashed out at the Romans for years of poor treatment and abuse. When the Romans lost Londinium, they were shocked and embarrassed, not only just at the loss to the barbarians, but because those barbarians were led by a woman. Learn more about Queen Boudicca on this episode of Everything Everywhere Daily. This episode is sponsored by Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond Bourbon. I recently had the chance to try Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond, and I can attest to its exceptional aromas with hints of caramel and vanilla intertwining with its oakiness, which provide a well-rounded flavor profile. Taking a sip is akin to experiencing a piece of bourbon history firsthand. Heaven Hill Distillery may be America's most quintessential bourbon distillery. Established in 1935 after the end of Prohibition, the distillery was established by the Shapira family and has remained a family-owned distillery to this day. In 1897, Congress passed the Bottled in Bond Act, which set forth strict rules for any bourbon labeled Bottled in Bond. Heaven Hill Bottled in Bond bourbon goes beyond the stringent requirements of the law by aging its bourbon for seven years, not four. The end result is a gold medal-winning bourbon that truly stands out. Available nationally, look for a bottle at your local store. Heaven Hill Bottled in Bond. Heaven Hill reminds you, think wisely, drink wisely. This episode is sponsored by ButcherBox. Summer is right around the corner, and that means cookouts. No matter what your preferred food is for a cookout or a barbecue, ButcherBox can help you make it the best. If you want to serve up some hamburgers, ButcherBox has grass-fed ground beef to make the perfect smash burger. Want to cook up some steaks? Well, ButcherBox has that too, with some of the best cuts of steak, such as New York Strip, ribeye, and filet mignon. Do you like grilled chicken? Well, ButcherBox has some of the best pasture-raised chicken that you will find anywhere. And if you really want to wow people at your next cookout, you can try grilling some of their wild-caught salmon on a cedar plank. Sign up at ButcherBox.com daily and get a special deal. ButcherBox is offering my listeners a free-for-a-year offer plus an additional $20 off. You can choose salmon, chicken breasts, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at ButcherBox.com daily and use code daily to choose your free-for-a-year offer plus get $20 off your first order. This episode is sponsored by Scotty Vest. I've told you all before about how Scotty Vest has lots of pockets to help you carry all your gear. And that's true. That's what they're best known for. However, they have many clothing innovations beyond just pockets. Their patented technology-enabled clothing, or tech, includes conduits in their clothing, which allows for a personal area network of hidden cables throughout their garments, which are designed for routing charging cords from pocket to pocket or headphones up to the collar for easy access. I've been wearing Scotty Vest clothing for years, and I still wear their stuff every day. You can get 15% off your next order by going to scottyvest.com and using coupon code EVERYTHINGEVERYWHERE, all one word, at checkout. Once again, that's scottyvest.com, coupon code EVERYTHINGEVERYWHERE. Roman involvement in Britain, what they called Britannia, took quite a bit of time to get established. During the Republican period, Britain was a faraway land that most people thought of in terms of myth or fantasy. Britain might as well have been on the moon, given how far away it was. Not only was it far away, but it was an island, making it just that much more inaccessible. You couldn't just go there in the same way that you could go to Germany or Spain. 
The first Roman to lead an organized expedition to Britain was Julius Caesar. While running around Gaul, he took two legions there in 55 BC and did nothing more than land on the shore and claim victory. It was really little more than a PR stunt for the masses back in Rome. The next year, he built 628 ships and brought over five legions and 2,000 cavalry. It was an impressive show of force, but this also wasn't to be permanent. The local Celtic tribes attacked him, and he ended up leaving to return to Gaul, not leaving a single Roman soldier behind. After Caesar, Britain remained a tempting but challenging prize for the Romans. In the year 40, the Emperor Caligula tried to invade Britain, but ended up amassing a force across the English Channel, ordered them into battle formations, and then told them to collect seashells. And yeah, he actually did that. The preparations for the invasion of Britannia, which were done by Caligula, were actually put to use by his successor, the much more competent Emperor Claudius. Claudius did a proper invasion and established the Roman foothold on the island, which would last for centuries. This story takes place during the reign of the successor to Claudius, his adopted son, Nero. The Romans didn't control all of Britain at this time, only the southern portions. The capital of Londinium and other cities served as trading posts and bases. Many of the Celtic tribes in the adjoining areas made arrangements with the Romans to pay tribute. One tribe in particular was the Iceni. They were located northeast of Londinium in the area in what is now known today as Norfolk. The Iceni were independent and were not conquered by the Romans in the first wave of Roman invasions. The way they did this was by allying with the Romans against their enemies. The king of the Iceni was named Prasutagus, and his wife was Queen Boudica. Boudica was, by all accounts, a striking woman. The Roman historian Cassius Dio described her, quote, She was very tall, the glance of her eye most fierce, her voice harsh. A great mass of the reddest hair fell down to her hips. Her appearance was terrifying, unquote. Prasutagus had no male heir. In an attempt to placate the Romans, in his will, he bequeathed half of his fortune to the emperor Nero and half to his two daughters. When he died in the year 60, his attempt at buying off the Romans didn't work. The historian Tacitus noted, quote, The Ikean king Prasutagus, celebrated for his long prosperity, had named the emperor his heir together with his two daughters, an act of deference which he thought would place his kingdom and household beyond the risk of injury. The result was contrary, so much so that his kingdom was pillaged by centurions, his household by slaves, as though they had been prizes of war. Unquote. He added that Queen Boudicca was lashed, and her two daughters were raped by Roman slaves, and that the estates of leading Iceni were confiscated. The legal pretense given for this action by the Romans was that the Emperor Claudius had loaned them money. This insult to the Iceni was too much. The Iceni reached out to other tribes in the region who had also suffered at the hands of the Romans. In particular, they allied with their neighbors, the Trinovantes. They had a combined army of 120,000 soldiers under arms the allied tribes elected Boudicca to be their leader. The combined armies first attacked the Roman colony town of Cameldonum, which is today the modern-day town of Colchester. It was lightly defended and the town was easily captured. They took the head off a bronze statue of Nero to use it as a trophy. The 9th Legion was the closest military unit and they were sent to provide relief to the town, but they were quickly defeated. The Roman governor of Britannia was Gaius Suetonius Paulinius. He, along with most of his legions, was fighting up in Wales at the time. When news reached him, he immediately turned to reach the rebellious Celts. While he was doing that, Boudicca and her army had marched on Londinium. The town was abandoned before they arrived, so they entered to an open city and proceeded to loot and burn it to the ground. To this day, archaeologists digging in London can find a layer of burnt red ash above the period from the year 60. The next city to face the wrath of the Celts was Verulamium, which is today the modern city of St. Albans. 
In total, of the three cities destroyed, it was estimated that 70 to 80,000 people were killed. The Celts didn't take prisoners, and they were not interested in capturing slaves. They didn't just kill the local Roman inhabitants, but were quite cruel in their execution methods. By this time, Governor Suetonius had regrouped his forces and had taken up a position along the main road which went through Britannia, known as Walting Street. He had approximately 10,000 legionnaires under his command. He faced a serious problem. As governor, all of the blame would be placed upon his shoulders. Moreover, he had to suffer the added embarrassment of this coming at the hands of a woman. If he didn't rectify the problem, the name of him and his family would be destroyed in Rome. By this time, Boudicca had attracted an army of 230 to 300,000 men and women under arms. When the Celts had arrived to meet the Romans, before the battle she appeared in a chariot and rode up and down the lines with her daughters, giving an impassioned speech. She said, quote, If you weigh well the strength of our armies, you will see that in this battle we must conquer or die. This is a woman's resolve. As for the men, they may live or be slaves. I am not fighting for my kingdom and wealth now. I am fighting as an ordinary person for my lost freedom, my bruised body, and my outraged daughters. End quote. Despite the overwhelming numbers, the Romans routed the Celts. According to Tacitus, an estimated 80,000 Celts died versus only 400 Romans. The Romans, in an unusual move for them, did not take slaves, but rather killed everything and everyone they could, including women and even pack animals. Boudicca, true to her word, killed herself by poison rather than being captured. This battle, in a nutshell, really encapsulates why and how Rome was so powerful. Their training, equipment, and discipline were simply no match for tribal peoples in places like Hispania, Gaul, and Britannia. That they were able to secure such a lopsided victory against such overwhelming forces was a testament to the superiority of the Roman military. Over time, the legend of Queen Boudicca grew. The Romans actually respected her as she fiercely fought for her people's independence. She took on added importance during the reign of Queen Elizabeth I, as Elizabeth was positioned as the modern Boudicca, standing up to the Spanish Armada, as Boudicca did to the Romans. Plays, poems, and other works of art were dedicated to Boudicca. She came back into fashion again in the 19th century under the reign of Queen Victoria. Boudicca, in some ways, has become the embodiment of Mother England. The Welsh, however, have claimed her as her own, as the Angles and Saxons hadn't arrived by this time, so she couldn't have been English. She was Celtic and hence she would have been more Welsh. She and her daughters today are the only women enshrined in marble statues at the Cardiff City Hall. Regardless if she is claimed by the English or the Welsh, Queen Boudicca remains a symbol of resistance and independence for everyone in Britain. The associate producer of Everything Everywhere Daily is Thor Thompson. If you'd like to support the show, please donate over at patreon.com. There is content only available to supporters merchandise, and even opportunities for a show producer credit. If you know someone you think would enjoy the show, please share it with them. Also remember, if you leave a five-star review, I'll read your review on the show.